So we've kind of been in the midst of kind of a transition in our class. We've kind of went from talking about a lot of the kind of undergirding principles of where we got the Bible, the authority of the Bible, uh, what is it that describes the authority of the text itself. And now we're kind of starting to make our way on our kind of little windy journey toward very specific principles. And so on the way there, we're doing some kind of big picture general stuff. And last week we talked about some principles that Martin Luther kind of gathered from Psalm 119 that helps us to understand or helps gives us some basic ways to understand and interpret the Bible. That we are to pray the text, we are to meditate on the text, and then that we are to think about that text and apply that text in light of the trials that we face and in light of the struggles that we endure, that it gives the depth to the text. Tonight, we want to give, I want to give you yet another really, really basic tool that every single Christian can implement, whether you are a brand new Christian, and some of you are, or you have been a Christian for many, many decades, and some of you have, that this is a tool that we are teaching across the board in our church as something that every Christian can apply to their walk and can grow from. It's something that we call the HEAR method. It's the HEAR method. So the HEAR method really applies to journaling. Now, some of you are going to hear the word journaling, and you're just going to check out, all right? I, I get it. I get it. But I am telling you that if you will commit in your life to the discipline of journaling, I'm not talking about in-depth. I'm not talking about having to write, you know, Dear John letters to the, you know, far ends of the earth kind of thing. But if you'll bring into your life the discipline of journaling, that it has something to offer you in terms of expanding the depth of your Christian walk that you can't get any other way. That there's something, effect, that, uh, the, the, an effectiveness that comes with writing these things out and meditating, a forced meditation that brings fruit into your life. So I, if I'm honest with you, there are been times in my life where I've been really, really committed to journaling. And there have been times in my life where I have not done it at all. But I, I think as I, as I thought about that and as I reflected back on that, Number one, it's probably an issue of discipline for me. You know, typically I have lots of excuses on why I don't, lots of busyness and lots of crazy schedules and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, is that when I think about the times that the Lord has moved most mightily in my life, it has typically come in those seasons in which I am, in, in which I'm committed to not just read the scripture, but to think about the scripture and to, to give thought to how it applies to me and how it can, uh, how it can, speak into the day that I've just had, or maybe the day that I'm, I'm soon to have. And so I wrote out a few benefits uh, to journaling. I think, first of all, journaling is to have a set place. Uh, it might be a document. Some people do it in a computer program like Evernote or Microsoft Word or something like that. It doesn't have to be handwritten. It can be typed out. But it's to have a set place where you kind of keep a collection of your interactions with God, kind of keep a collection of your pursuit of God, your study of God's word. And one of the things that I think is unique about journaling is that journaling eliminates from, from our vocabulary the ability to say that God never speaks to us. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, you know, this person says that God speaks to them, and this person says that God speaks to them, but I've never heard God speak to me. Or it doesn't feel like God ever has anything to say to me. But what you, what you will find is, is that if you will discipline yourself into the discipline of journaling, as you write out some of those things, it may be three sentences. But if you write out those three sentences of something that you learn in some way that that can affect your life now, you have heard God speak. You have heard God speak truth right into your life. And so it's really an encouragement to the believer. It's an encouragement into our lives when we can know that God really does speak to us. One of the values that I have found in it is that, for me, it kind of shows me, it gives me something to go back and to look at how God is moving in, has moved in my life. I can think back to times where I can go back and I've written out a prayer or something. And I, I, I've written it out, and it might be in a moment of desperation. Like I'm throwing up my hands, and I'm just writing it out. And I go back and I read that three years later, and I think, God answered that, and God answered that, and God answered that. Ways that I would be completely unaware of if I didn't go back and read them. Like, for instance, uh, the, one of the ones that was the coolest for me is, so when Iron, City's, when, when Iron City's pastorate became available, 
like you got to understand this wasn't really even on my radar okay because you guys are crazy for hiring me I'm just going to tell you right now it makes no sense to me still to this day why I'm right here okay it makes no sense in the world ministry world it just don't make sense all right but I, I in my journal th- that morning I, I remember I woke up at like five o'clock in the morning I just got in my truck and I drove by and I'm praying for the church and I'm just thinking like wow you know like what if like that would be and, and I went home and I began to pray. And in the, in the prayer, I was like, Lord, this doesn't make any sense. And Lord, that's, not, that's crazy. And Lord, that, what, do you, like, you know, what, what do you think, Lord? Like, you know, and, and, and wrote out this long prayer for, for Iron City and long prayer for the church and just pouring my heart out. And, of course, it was a year after that, almost a year to the date that I wrote that, I realized in retrospect that I turned in my resume. And then just two months after that was called as pastor. And I went back, and I looked at that, and I was just stunned. I had forgotten I had even written it. And I went back, and I read it, and I thought, wow, like what a treasure. That's, so, that's something I'll hold on to for the rest of my life because it seemed like an impossible prayer. It, it, it seemed like something that was foreign. It seemed like something that, that, that defied everything logical in, that I could even understand or wrap my mind around. And yet, here I have it documented as the movement of God in my life. That's amazing. You don't get that if you don't journal. It gives you an ability to chart your spiritual journey. I can go back and I can look at things that I read, I wrote back in like 2007. So in 2007, that was the year Megan and I got married. That was the year that I took my first full-time ministry position at the First Baptist Church of Talladega. First time I lived in a house by myself, paid a mortgage by myself, paid insurance by myself, paid a phone bill by myself. Like that, that was a big year. You know, like turned 21 that year. That was a big year. Okay. And so it was just a, and I go back and I read and I think, man, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that guy anymore. Like, you read some of the things, and you, and you think, man, I, maybe I saw things I didn't realize I saw then, and, but I don't think like that anymore. And I see so much more in the book of Romans than I saw right there, you know? And it's a picture of the Lord's grace in my life that I'm not really aware of on a day-in, day-out basis. I bet right now, if you were able to go back to yourself 10, 15, 20 years ago, Right now, you might be discouraged in your Christian walk. Right now, you may feel like, I'm not growing. I'm not, I'm not stretching. I'm not, I'm not discovering new things about the Lord. But I bet if we had your journal from 10 or 15 years ago, you could go back to you then, and you could read, and you could think about the way you would think about it now, and you'd think, wow, it happened, and it happened slowly, and it happened gradually, and it happened almost without me knowing it. But look how far the Lord has brought me. Look at what all the Lord has taught me. Look how the Lord has changed my thinking. Look how the Lord has transformed me. And it encourages you in the moment. There's value in that, brothers and sisters. There's value in that. I'll tell you what I think there's value in, too, is one day you're going to step out of this life and into the next life. And there are parts of you that nobody else on the earth knows about. There are parts of you that your husband or your wife doesn't know about. There's parts of your walk with the Lord that your children don't know about. What a treasure it would be for them to discover any written record of your walk with God. Can you imagine how that would encourage them to keep on? Can you imagine, what if, what if, they're, not even, what if they're not a Christian and they go back and say, this is how dad did it. Dad always just seemed calm. Dad seemed collected. Dad seemed to have wisdom. Dad seemed to have, this is how he did it. And they, go to the, they, they might come to faith that way. There are so many benefits to journaling. Not only do you have an, a, a place in which you are forcing your heart to meditate on the word, forcing your mind to think deeply about things that you would normally skim over, but it, 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 it is an effect that can last literally for generations, I'm convinced. So I've made the case for journaling. Now I want to give you some tools on how to do that. So the, the method of journaling that we kind of promote here, and if you're ever a part of a D group, this is something that will probably become something that's almost like, okay, got it, you know. Um, if, and some of you probably have already done this a lot, and you're, you're like, I can stand up and teach that. But, um, I th- but what we, the reason that we use this method is because it's so simple, and it's so straightforward, and it, it can be as deep. Or it, frankly, can be as shallow as you really want it to be. You can, you can spend five minutes with this, and this can be helpful to you. You can spend an hour and a half with this, and this can be helpful to you. You can spend all week doing this, 
and it can be helpful to you. That this is something that every single person here, if you have five minutes in your day, every single day, you could implement into your Christian walk, and I believe that it would make a difference in your understanding of the Bible. I believe it would make a difference in your walk with God. Okay, so the here we call it the here method. That's an acronym. So it means highlight, explain, apply, respond. Highlight, explain, apply, respond. I've given everybody here. Um, let me. Some of you came in a few minutes late. Um, who did not get one of these? Let me. Anybody else? Go. Is that everybody? Anybody over here? So this is a sample of what one can look like. And you can see how short it is. You can see that it, it didn't take, whoever did this, it didn't take them an hour to sit down and do this. This is something very, very simple to do. But let's just walk through this kind of one step at a time. So the first, the first step is to highlight. Okay, so let's say that you are reading tonight. We're going to spend time in Philippians. We're going to implement. We're getting more and more into that section of the class in which we're going to kind of do some on-the-job training because that's really the best way for us to learn how to do these things. It's one thing to hear them. It's another thing to do it, right? So I want to walk us through on how to do these things, all right? So let's just say that we're reading Philippians chapter 4. Well, what, what we want you to do is as you go through Philippians chapter 4, and you're just reading it one verse after another, to whatever verse stands out to you, highlight it. Underline it. If you, you might underline, some, you know, I like to underline in my Bible. That doesn't bother me. Some people are not, that's not really their thing. Um, and if it's not, just, just write the verse number on, uh, have, a, have a, a moleskin or a notepad or something beside you, and just write one if it's verse one, or three if it's verse three beside you so that you, can, you know to go back to it. But as you read through those 13 verses, or the first 13 verses of Philippians, just highlight every verse that jumps out at you. Every verse that it, and you know, it, sometimes it doesn't even have to have a good reason. It just stands out, okay? You're saying that's a verse I want to spend more time with. Now, sometimes if you're reading, like let's say you're doing the reading through the Bible in a year class, you're going to get to Leviticus sometimes, you're going to get discouraged. And you're going to think, I just read that, I didn't highlight nothing. I got nothing. And here's what I think you should do. Pray. Remember how we talked about last, last week, if, for those of you that were able to be here, we talked about how when we have to, the, the Spirit has to open up our eyes to see things that are spiritually discerned. That's a good opportunity for you to say, God, I want to see something from your word. I want to learn something from your word. I want to be helped by your word, and I don't see it. Help me to see it. Okay? And then read it again. And read it again. If 2 Timothy 3.16 is true, there is something in there for you. Okay? So read it as many times as it takes to, for a verse to, to stand out to you. Most of the time, you're going to be able to do this in one reading. Something's going to jump out. But you get to Leviticus, you, you might have to go through Leviticus 16 three or four times before something jumps out at you, you know, because some of those things run together a little bit. But if you slow down, eventually you start making connections with things, and you start, it starts making you think about things uh, in a way that would have caused it to stand out that ordinarily it wouldn't. So write down those verses and highlight those. Now, when I'm, when I'm doing a here uh, entry, like when I'm doing a journal entry, when I'm starting this, here's what I want to do on every page. On every page, I want to have the date. I want to have the book that I'm studying. I want to have the chapter that I'm studying. And then when I get to the highlight itself, I want to write down that verse specifically. And I do that not so much for that day, but because of what I told you about a few minutes ago. Because I may want to go back and look at this 10 years from now. I may want to go back and look at this 15 years from now. And I want to know when that happened. I want, if, if, because you really, when you're starting it, the cool thing is you really don't even know what God's going to do yet. You really don't even know how God might show you something. You kind of might start it. And you ever started, some of you have been a Christian a long time. You ever started reading it and you're kind of not into it. And you're a little bit bored. And you're really kind of doing it out of obligation. And then you get to the end of it and you're thinking, wow, I've never seen that before. You showed me that, you know, and how, how that happens a lot, doesn't it? So I like, I like having all of those kind of markers up there on the top so that I can go back and reference it because I don't even know what God's going to do yet. I, I'm just starting this thing out, and so I don't know what God might say. I don't know how, what God might show me. I don't know how God might move in my heart at this point. So I want to know those things in case I want to come back and reference it. So then I'm going to go to those verses that I highlighted, and I'm going to see which one of those jumps out at me the most. Which one of those jumps out at me the most? And I'm going to take that verse, or sometimes it might be two or three verses that are in a section together, and that's where you come in. And so in your journal, you'd write H, and you'd write out that verse, every word of it. 
And writing it out is a form of meditation. Writing it out is a, is, is a form of, uh, of, of, it's causing you to slow down and to mull over it. One of the, one of the disciplines that I've done in preaching for, for a lot of years is take a journal and write out the passage, the whole passage um, that I'm going to be preaching. And I could have read it ten times. I, usually, I try to read it in five or six different translations, and I might have read that passage ten or fifteen times consecutively. But then all of a sudden I'll write it, and something will click that I didn't see before. It might be a punctuation mark. It might be a co- where a comma is. It might be where a conjunction is. It might be something that you don't really pick up on when you're reading, but when you're writing it out, you're just a little bit slower and a little bit uh, more ca- and, and there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of academic studies that, that teach how when you write things, you, re- you retain a lot more of it. And so what better to retain than the Word of God, right, than that which is inerrant and that which was, we know is all sufficient. So, so you want to go through there, highlight the verses, then write an H on there, and, and write out your verse. So here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us to spend time reading Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, okay? Uh, I want you to take about five minutes right now and just read through there and highlight and then do that. Pick out one verse out of Philippians 1 through 13, and you don't have to write it out necessarily, not unless you want to. That would be, if you have the time, you're, you're willing to, you're, you're certainly... Um, you're certainly able to, um, but I want us to kind of implement this, and this is kind of a softball passage. This is a passage that uh, should be pretty easy for you to apply. So let's take a few minutes now and uh, just see what the Lord might speak to you, how the Lord might speak to you through Philippians 4, 1 through 13. Okay, and, and, and by the way, one, another one of the reasons I like to do the class this way is I know how busy everyone is, 
And sometimes it's really hard for us to build quiet time into our life to spend with the Word. So it's good to come to have a place almost where we're set aside to do it, isn't it? I think. Um, all right, so somebody share it with me. What, what verse jumped out at you? What, verse, what, ver- what was the verse that you highlighted? Just somebody that would be willing to read it aloud. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a loaded verse, isn't it? Yeah, especially when it's a fruitcake day, right? Especially when it's a fruitcake day, yeah. Yeah, so so uh, Miss Holly Rowe here, she has a, a life philosophy that's probably worth us talking about. She says that every day is cake. It's a gift, so it's a type of cake, right? Because cake's always good. Some days are German chocolate cake, and some days are fruitcake. But every day is cake, right? So uh, some, day, some weeks are fruitcake weeks, right? <laughs> Amen, sister. Somebody else want to read the verse that jumped out at you, that you highlighted? Might be the hardest verse in the whole Bible, right? Do not be anxious about anything. It's very difficult. Maybe one more, one more person be willing to read the verse that they highlighted. Absolutely. Jumps out at you, doesn't it? does all right so let's take this to the next step so the next step would be explain so in your journal I want you to imagine so you have the H now we're gonna write an E with a colon you know I like the colon there it's good grammar Um, and now what we want to do is we want to meditate on the verse like we talked about last week so so this is where we really mull over the verse in our mind and the E stands for explain so the goal here is we're doing meditation with a purpose in mind. We're not just meditating aimlessly. Remember I told you last week that Christian meditation is a lot different than like Buddhist me- meditation, right? Um, that, that all the other religions in the world that do meditation, they meditate for the purpose of emptying themselves, emptying their minds, getting where you hear nothing left but your, your lungs expanding and collapsing. You ever heard this kind of stuff? Your heartbeat kind of thing. Christian meditation is the opposite of that. Christian meditation is getting yourself as full of God and as full of God's word as you can and just going over it again and again so that it kind of presses deeper into your heart, okay? So the goal of explain is to meditate on a passage, to think through it. To, to we, we talked about all the different techniques that you could use last week, whether it's emphasize one word, reading it over and over, singing it if somebody wants to practice that, writing it out, all those different things. For the purpose of, okay, now what does this mean? What does this actually mean? And so that's what we come to explain, is how do we, what does this passage, what does this verse that I highlighted, what does it actually mean? Okay, now there's some questions that I think you can ask, and we're going to hopefully over the course of this class, this is what we want to get better and better at, but just some big picture questions that I think you can ask that can help you kind of determining what a verse means, and before I even say that, I want to give one more caveat. All right, study Bibles are awesome. Matter of fact, I am going to be a major advocate of a good, proper study Bible over the course of this class. We're, matter of fact, we're going to have some times where I teach you how to use a study Bible. Because we have a study Bible that's got all these pictures and all these different things. And a lot of times, we don't know how to use it. We don't, we, it, it it's, we've never been shown. We've never been taught. We've never had somebody walk through it and disciple us in that way, right? I, I'm a huge advocate of study Bibles. But try to get this by yourself first. Because here's, here's the thing. I, don't, I, don't, I almost just, I don't want to, okay, so there are, I, I know there have been, there are pre- of preachers that the first thing that they do when they're going to preach a passage is they go and they listen to another preacher, right, that has preached that passage. And look, I'm not saying that's sinful or anything, but you know what? I don't want to go before the congregation and present somebody else's encounter with God. I want my own encounter with the Lord. Now, I'm not so arrogant as to believe that I can't benefit from the labor and the work of other people. I, I, I feel like I practice that. I, I, I try to read copious amounts of passages and copious amounts of, of, of commentary and different things on passages that I'm interpreting. But I want to spend the majority of the time of my study with just me and the Word of God, going over it again and again and again. So before you get to the commentary at the bottom of your, of your study Bible, try best you can and you're going to get to some passages you just don't know what they mean and that's okay that's okay i go to passages sometimes and i'm like 
what you talking about, Jesus? I don't, I don't have any idea what it means. Okay, that, that's totally okay. And so, so you might get to it a little bit quicker on that day. But try, try. Ask the Lord to show you what the passage means. Because you know what's really encouraging in your faith? When you write out what you think that verse means, and then you go down and you read the study Bible notes, and it says exactly what you just wrote or some version of it. It's really affirming. It really makes you realize we all have the same Holy Spirit. We all have the same book. And again, God is speaking to me. God is moving in my heart. Okay, so some ways that you can do that, some questions that you can ask. Why was, that, why was this originally written? Remember, all of these books were written for specific occasions. They were all written to specific people at specific times for specific reasons. And a big way of understanding what this book was, uh, what that verse means is, why was it originally meant, written? Why was it, who was it originally given it to? And study Bibles were helpful for even ascertaining that. To whom was this originally written? So what was going on in the life of Israel when this, this book of the Old Testament was written? What, what was going on in, uh, what, why was this book written to the church at Philippi? Those are helpful questions. How does this verse fit with the verses that are before it and the verses that are after it? Hopefully, you're, I think the best way to study the Bible is to study it a little bit at a time, right? That's how we preach. We preach through books of the Bible. And the reason is because is that's how we read the Bible. That, that we read the Bible. If I'm going to read the Gospels, I'm going to start in Matthew, and Matthew, and then Mark, and then Luke. Right? I'm going to read it one, one chapter at a time. And that helps us because we, we know what happened in chapter 1. And when we get to chapter 2, we have context, right? We have some understanding of how those things fit. So that's a, that's a helpful way. So a, a, this is a very simple question. What is God saying here? What, what, what do I think God is saying here? Remember, we want the author's intent. We don't want what, what does Cody want this to say? What does Cody think? That we, what does God say? What is God saying? And that's why it brings gravity to our study, right? Because we don't want to put words in the mouth of God. We don't want to make God say something that he didn't intend to say. We want to pretend as though he said something that he didn't say. And then finally, why is this verse important for a Christian to know? Okay? Now, before you, when we do the explain section, this, we're not applying it to ourselves yet. That's going to come next. Okay? So we're not, we're not trying to bring it into our world yet. We just want to say, what does this verse say? Okay? So if you'll look at your, the example, you'll see a very straightforward example there. So what I want us to do now is to take the verse that you just highlighted and to write out or to think through... Uh, just one to three sentences of explaining it, okay? So the verse that you just highlighted, take that and spend, some, spend the next four or five minutes just meditating on that and, and then write out or at least think through one to three sentences of what you understand that verse to mean. And I, and I know I'm kind of putting you on a time crunch, so look, there's a lot of grace here, okay? Um, but this will be a good practice. If you're confused at all, you can just look at that example that I gave you and you'll kind of see um, what that looks like.
Okay, it looks like most folks are, are finished, so let's go ahead and take a stab at this. All right, so who will be courageous enough to read, uh, to read what you wrote? What kind of somebody get, read one of your explanations as to what you think the, uh, the verse meant? Prom- promise you we will not accost you. Very good. That's very, very, very good. That's dead on. Anybody else be willing to, to read your explanation? Okay. That's exactly right. So just as a way of the testimony, the reason that we're doing this is, so the, very, the next book we're going to preach through is the book of Philippians. Let me just kind of, you know, unless, of course, the Lord changes our mind. There's a talk, there's always, could be a talky, talking donkey or a burning bush or something. Uh, but, so I, I've been kind of transparent with the church that last year, of course, I didn't know I had medical stuff going on, but I really battled with anxiety, you know, and I, I, it, was a, it was a struggle for me. I've never had that in my life, never had it before, never had it since, but it went through a a period of time where I just felt like I couldn't breathe, like I couldn't take a deep breath, and never felt like that before. And so I, I, just, I just started reading through the book of Philippians, all, the whole book, one, you know, because it's not a very long book, and just sitting down and reading through it. And I, I, the first time I read this verse, do not be anxious about anything, I thought, man, what would it have been like to be Paul? He's not anxious about anything, you know? And, and, and because I understand that anxiety is a form of unbelief, of not trusting the Lord, you know? And then... A little nugget in chapter 2 that I had never paid attention to before jumped out at me. This is just for your edification. It has nothing to do with the class. But in verse 28, listen to what Paul says. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Paul wasn't a super Christian. Paul wasn't a superhuman. Paul's writing chapter 4 because he's dealing with anxiety. And he's talking about it, how we can deal with it, and how we can face it, right? It's, it's good stuff, absolutely. I thought that might encourage. If you're anxious today, so was Paul, and so is Philippians. All right, so maybe one more, one more person willing to, uh, to read their explanation? I believe in you. Anybody? All right, James, how about you? You're my group. I can call on you, right? good very good all right so now let's move to the next uh, the next part so the a is apply so it's highlight explain apply these are very straightforward words okay Um, we want to keep this as simple as possible to me this is where the rubber meets the road and if you were to ask somebody that has done this before what is the most difficult step it's always the a it's always the apply right because the apply that's where this comes into real life that's where this, this begins to land. Th- this is what determines whether you're going to be a wise man or a foolish man. This is what determines whether your life is going to be built up in the image of Christ or not built up in the image of Christ. Listen to what he said, listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And it said, he goes on to say, the storm's going to come against his house, the rain's going to beat, and the wind's going to beat up against it, and the house is going to stand firm. But he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is the foolish man. He's like the man who built his house upon the sand. And the winds came, and the rains fell against that house, and mighty was the crash of the house. That this is the difference between a fool and a wise man. 
there are fools that are filled with biblical knowledge. There are fools that are filled with biblical trivia. There are fools that can tell you what the gospel says. There are fools that can tell you what the book of Philippians says. Fools. The difference between someone who is foolish and someone who is wise is somebody that not only knows what it says, but then does it, obeys it, applies it to their life, lives it out. Well, I don't want us to be fools, all right? I don't want us to be fools. Even it, when the, way that, the way that I try to preach, and I'm not saying we always do a, I don't, I do a necessarily good job of this, but I preach with the application in mind. So, so when I'm writing out the sermon, I'm always thinking, okay, but how does this apply? Now, sometimes the application is as simple as stop right now and think deeply about Jesus. You know, it, it can be because those things, focusing our minds on the things of the Spirit, right? Romans 8, 5. But other times it's, okay, maybe this is in your life. Is this what your life sounds like? Well, you should probably do this, right? How does this land in our kitchen? See, I think of uh, Bible study, we can probably, I, the, the metaphor when I, was, when I uh, worked with interns, the metaphor I used to use for preaching was, is that preaching is like an asteroid, you know? Like it starts way up here in the heavenly regions, but eventually that thing's going to crash down on earth, and it's going to land right in somebody's kitchen. And that's how preaching is supposed to be. And I think that's how Bible study is supposed to be. That you start out with these huge, lofty truths of the Bible. These huge, lofty truths about the grandeur of God and the glory of God and the fall of man and the nature of the gospel and the redemption of man. But if it stays up here, it doesn't do you any good. That that thing's got to keep barreling in and barreling in until eventually it lands in your kitchen and it changes your life. It's no good to come and hear the word preach if you don't respond to it. It's no good to read the word if you don't respond to it. If you, if you don't apply it to your life and let it change the shape of your life. And let it change the way that you think about life. And let it change and shape your attitudes about life. And shape your behaviors with your family and with your husband and with your wife. And like, if it doesn't do all of that, then it's really not beneficial. And it really hasn't served its purpose. And instead, your, your life is more like that of... The fool, right? So Bible study that stops short of application is of no use. So some questions that I think that we can ask when we're trying to apply a passage are questions like this. How does this verse relate to today? Okay? So, sometimes you're going to read in there and you're reading about, I'm trying to think of, of an example of something that maybe we've just read. You're reading about uh, leprosy. Well, leprosy is not a major issue in your life, I would imagine, right? But there's a principle in there. There's a principle behind what, what's being taught. There's a, there's a principle behind that gospel narrative story that includes Jesus healing the person with leprosy. No, you don't have leprosy, but Jesus ha does take the unclean and make it clean. And you were unclean in sin, and so Jesus can make you clean, right? So you can take those things and you can land it in your kitchen, right? So, so how does this apply to now? How does this relate to today? How should my life look different in light of this verse? I think that's a very good question. I think that's a helpful question. I think that's the kind of attitude that you should read the Bible with. How should my life look different in light of this verse? Or how should my thinking be different in light of this verse? Or how should my understanding of God be changed or shaped or strengthened in light of this verse? What is God saying to me through this verse? What is God saying to me? It's amazing how the Holy Spirit does this, right? That, that we might take the verse that Richard pointed out that all of us have memorized. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And every single one of us, we know that Paul here is talking about contentment. Paul is talking about he used to have, he's had a lot, he's had a little, but he has learned how to be content in all circumstances. And so through all, in all things, I can, I, I can be content. I can be content in all things through Christ because Christ gives me strength, right? Well, our issues of discontentment may look very, very different. And so it's amazing that every single one of us can read that, understand it to what it means, and apply it entirely different to our lives, to entirely different situations. Maybe you're struggling with discontentment in a relationship, and that helps you. Maybe you're struggling with discontentment at your job, and that helps you. 
Maybe you're struggling with discontentment in your home, and that helps you. Maybe that you're struggling with discontentment in your retirement, and that helps you. You're struggling with discontentment in your savings, and that helps you. Like you're, you're struggling with discontentment, and what, maybe it's in a completely different walk of life, a completely different scenario. Maybe it's in parenting young children, or it's with adult children that are frustrating you. Like There can be a hundred different scenarios, and yet discontentment speaks to all of them. And so it applies to each of us, right? It's powerful, powerful. What is God saying here? Uh, or uh, what is God saying to me through this verse? And finally, what must I do to obey this verse? Right? Because we don't want to be fools. We don't want to be those that disregard what God... So, so what, do, what do I need to do in my life right now to obey what the Bible says? Okay, so take four or five minutes, if you would, and write out one to three sentences. If, if you don't have a pen or something, that's fine. You can just think through them. Go back to that same exact verse... You see how it's making you meditate on it? How it's making you think deeply about it? You can't just skim it, right? How does that apply to your verse? What in your life needs to change from that verse? What in your thinking needs to change? And you can, again, you can reference the example uh, that he wrote to see what it might look like. Okay, so who would be willing to write how this verse applied to them, or how their verse applied to them, whichever verse you chose? I know it gets, gets more, a little bit more personal as you as you go. So, who would be willing to? Uh, Absolutely. Somebody else? 
exactly that. Exactly right. That's a humbling verse, right? I um, so I'm, I'm with a group of guys right now. I'm reading a book called uh, "Zeal Without Burnout," and it talks about how what a lot of us end up believing about ourselves is that we are the saviors of the world. So we have to do everything, right? We have to make sure everything's taken care of in our family. We have to make sure everything's taken care of in our church. We have to make sure everything's taken care of at work. We have to make sure everything's all. And, and he said, you know, the, the, the author, and he said, we built a liturgy in my house that whenever we, something, when, when there's a burden of somebody that we are, can't sleep over and we're struggling and we're really carrying it heavily, we just repeat, one of us will repeat to the other one, whichever one's struggling, I'm not, a save, I'm not the savior of the world. Jesus is. That's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. It was powerful for me because I, I could relate to what it was saying. So, I'm not the savior of the world. Jesus is, and I think that gets yeah, absolutely. Somebody else, maybe one more. Absolutely, absolutely, it's exactly what this is wanting to do, yeah, Wendy, did you have one too? I know, but, but then I heard you speak up, so I thought we had time for two. Absolutely. See, it's very personal. Every single, every single person that spoke, it was so personal. And by the way, I hope you guys see. One of the reasons I'm, I try to point out really key verses when we're working, passages when we're, when we're going through these things. When you feel these, this is a go-to passage. You, you need go-to passages in your life. You need go-to passages in your faith that don't require a lot of thinking, don't require a lot of, like, they're just going to help you in the moment. And, and to me, Philippians chapter 4 is one of those go-to passages because um, every single person in here deals with anxiety on some level or deals with um, discontentment, all those things. All right, so finally, the last one, we'll finish our time uh, with respond. All right, so respond is, okay, so I know how this verse applies to me. Now I want to I actually do it. I want to respond. I want to I do what the application is. Now, th there's a lot of different ways that you can write this out. There's a lot of different ways that you can, uh, you can frame up a response. But, so basically, you're just articulating, okay, this is what I'm now going to do. I'm going to write out what I'm going to do today or tomorrow as soon as I wake up, if you do this right before bed. This is how I'm going to apply this to my life. This is, this is, I, I am going to do this so that I'm not anxious anymore. I'm going to do this to my discontentment, right? I am going to do this. Now, my favorite way to do this is to write this in the form of a prayer. So if you, go, if you were to go through and look at my, my uh, here, here entries, all of them would start, Heavenly Father. Uh, because I want to I acknowledge on the front end, first of all, I can't do any of this without Him. I can't do any of this without His strength. I can't do any of this without His wisdom. I can't do any of this without His Spirit. So Heavenly Father, by Your grace, by Your strength, I resolve to do this. Will You help me? Will you hold me accountable? Will you send Christian brothers and sisters to help me do this? However, so, so, you, so it's time to say, God, God, your word says, fill in the blank. And so you want me to fill in the blank. So by your grace and through your strength, I will now fill in the blank. I think that's just a, a really good way to kind of to wrap all of this, this thing up. And so, what I want, so, so I hope that you see how simple this is. And how effective this is. It's really, really effective. Like, as simple as that is, and as straightforward as that is, you know, like, you don't have to have a seminary degree to do that. You don't have to have uh, years as a Christian to do that. It's just, it's, it's just there for you because of the Holy Spirit and because of the Word, right? Now, each of you are at different places in your Christian faith, and that's, that's okay. You're supposed to be. Every person, we all come to faith at different seasons. We all, we all kind of start this journey in, from different places, so for some of you, you've never done anything like this. Don't start this by saying, I, I, I mean, you can. I'm not going to rebuke you if you do it. But 
don't necessarily start this by saying, I'm going to do seven of these a week. I'm going to do one of these every single day. Because then you don't do it, and you beat yourself up on it, and you feel like a failure, and you quit altogether, right? Don't, don't start that way. Um, maybe st- if, you're, if you've never done this before, like with the D group guys that I, that I meet with, I ask them to do it three times a week. Three. You know, it's not overwhelming. It's not, it's not, it's not overbearing. It's even one of those things like if, they miss a, if, they, if it gets down to the last day, they can do two of them on the same day if they have to. It's not, it's not, it's not, an, overwhelming, not an overwhelming amount because the goal here is not to add another checkbox. The goal here is to change your life into the image of Christ, right? Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. And you've been doing a little of this and a little, maybe, maybe you'd set a higher standard for yourself. Say, I'm going to do this Monday through Friday every day. Every, and then if I miss one, I'll, I'll make it up on the weekend kind of thing. Um, so, 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 so recognize where you are and whatever would be easy for you, do one step beyond that. Do one step beyond that. Push yourself. Push yourself. And when that gets to be easy, Push yourself a little bit farther. Push yourself a, w- one step farther. For some of you, you're saying, that don't sound easy at all. Well, do one. Do one. That's, that's the next step, right? That, that's one step past. So if this doesn't sound easy at all, just do, just do one. I'm going to do one day a week. I'm going to do that. And, and watch and see if the Lord doesn't move in that. Watch and see if the Lord um, doesn't, doesn't affect your life. I think you could probably see just tonight, um, spending just a few minutes, uh, just a few minutes, right in the middle of God and everybody, um, how helpful this was, okay? So, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll be finished for tonight. Heavenly Father, again, we, we are thankful that you didn't just give us a word.